Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Anyone thank God we serve a God who still speaks? Anyone in Victory Church believe God still speaks? He's still alive, He's still engaged and... I don't know about you, but I thank God that we are doing church in a generation that is full of life. And, and you might walk into a place like this. I, I don't know. I, I, I came from a more traditional church. The church I was in was a brethren church. I remember walking into a church that looked like this. And I thought, what is wrong with these people? The, 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 what is wrong with these people? They're either crazy or high. That's the only two explanations to be doing that type of thing going on right there. Well, what is wrong with these people? But the more you get... Uh, au fait with it, the more you get comfortable with environments like this, you know, the more that we can rely on the environment and forget that all this is nothing more than to grab our attention and point to the one who wants to speak to us. Our prayer, our prayer, every time, just like Victory Church, our DNA is very similar. Our prayer that is through our arts team, through our parking team, through our greeters, through the cafe that we have, that, that every individual's attention would be arrested. And at some point in their experience in church, we would stop seeing all of this and start seeing him more clearly. That we would stop being wowed by electronics, by lights, by sound, by all that sort of stuff, and that it would capture our attention long enough to place our eyes on the one who wants to engage us because God still speaks. We serve a God who is not inanimate, who is not unconscious, who is not asleep. We serve a God who is alive, well, and wanting to engage with every one of us. In fact, you know, the very first recorded act of God in the Bible is to speak. The very first recorded act of God, a physical act of God in the Bible, is to speak. You don't, you, you're looking at me like you don't believe me. Look at Genesis chapter 1. It says this, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Pause. If you came to church this morning and there is a part of your world that is dark, there is a part of your world that is formless. It's void. Maybe you didn't realize that your marriage would end up where it is. Maybe you didn't realize that your finances would end up where they are. Maybe you never planned for your internal world to be in turmoil like it is. If, if there are, is a part of your world that is dark and formless and void, I've got good news for you. The Spirit of God hovers over those types of areas. The Spirit of God hovers over darkness. The Spirit of God hovers over void areas. The Spirit of God is not afraid and is not scared by void and darkness. In fact, that's where He does His best work. He is hovering over those areas. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good and he, pardon me, and he separated the light from darkness. The very first thing God did was to speak. And, and not incidental words, not words just to fill a void. You ever met those people that are afraid of silence so they just talk? Come on, you ever met? You're all scared because you're sitting next to one of them. You ever met one of those type of people come on they just talk you're like shut up already just talk 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 God didn't just say incidental words God had words of purpose and words of destiny he said let there be light let there be something and from nothing there was a response 
Do you know that God doesn't just talk for the sake of talking? God talks for the sake of a response. God said, let there be light. And from nothing, there was a response. That, that's cool for the past. What, what about heaven? Have you ever thought about what am I going to do in heaven? Come on, heaven's a long time. Reality check. Heaven's a long time. We all talk about heaven's going to be amazing and can't wait to get to heaven. And Jesus came so that we don't have to be separated from God. We can be, heaven is forever. Heaven's an eternity. That's a long, long time. What am I going to do in heaven? You ever wonder, what goes on in heaven? Like, what do you do? There's no sick people to visit in hospital. Aunt Mary's not having trouble, so I don't have to go and cut her grass. Provision is just there. I don't have to go to work. The kids are born angels. I don't have to discipline them. Oh, bless the Lord. There's no sickness. There's no, what am I going to do in heaven? Like, it's so perfect. What am I going to do? Glad you asked. Isaiah chapter 6. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on a throne, high and exalted. The train of his robe filled the temple. Excuse me. The train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphs, each with six wings. With two wings, they covered their faces. With two wings, they covered their feet. And with the other two wings, they were flying. They were calling to one another, not to God. They were calling to one another. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is filled with His glory. The angels from eternity past to eternity future sing around, sorry, fly around in the presence of God and their response to the presence of God is to declare His glory and His majesty and His might. They don't get a few millennium into this and think, I'm bored of this. I mean, I'm a pastor. I'm in church most Sundays. I mean, Three services in the morning, two services at night on an average day. So that's a good 30 minutes of worship per service. So if you add that up, it's about an hour and a half in the morning. I'm a super Christian, so I go to the ministry service at night. There's a 40 minutes of worship there. So that's a good hour and a half plus 40, two hours, 10 minutes. Plus during the week, if I'm having a bad day, I'll do a bit of worship. I may get like a couple of hours a week in of worship. These guys spend their life worshiping God. They don't get a few millennium into it and go, okay, God, time out. I've had enough here. Can we talk about like a rostering system? Can we go four weeks on, two weeks off? Like, come on, God, how long can we say how good you are? I mean, you need an ego trip or something. How long do we have to tell you how great you are? How, God, can we, how about branding? Can we get some branding going on here? They, they, don't, they don't call for a time out. Why? Here's what I want us to get this morning. The presence of God inspires a consistent call. The presence of God in our life inspires a consistent call. You ever met someone who first encountered Jesus? All they can talk about is how good God is. How good His grace is. How good His love is. How good His mercy is. How much hope they are filled with. Why? Because the presence of God inspires a consistent call. Just like when God spoke, he, he called out, let there be light. Where there is his presence, there is a call. And you know what I love about the eight o'clock service, both in your church and in our church? I, I did a bit of research before I came in here. The eight o'clock service is, 
traditionally full of people who have been in church world a, a little while. We've been in church a little while. We've done church a little while. We're used to doing church and we're comfortable with what God does. I want to challenge us, if it's okay. This is family member to family member. I want to challenge us. Never get so comfortable with the presence of God we forget that along with the presence of God comes a consistent call. That God is always speaking. God is always declaring. God is always saying something. God is always inspiring us and calling us through his voice, not just to hear his voice, but to respond to it. Psalm 50 says this, the the mighty one, God the Lord, speaks and summons the earth from the rising of the sun to the place where it sets. From From Zion, perfect in beauty, God shines forth. Our God comes and will not be silent A fire devours before him, around him a tempest rages. He summons the heavens above and the earth that he may judge his people. Do you know when the sun rose this morning, it didn't rise of its own accord. It rose because 6,000 plus years ago, he said, let there be light. And it's obeying ever since. Tonight, when the sun sets, it's not going to set of its own accord. It's going to set because 6,000 plus years ago, God separated the light and the darkness and creation has been responding ever since. That the waves don't come and, and, and flood up right up into Adelaide City, but the waves stay at the shore because God's word tells it to separate land from sea. That creation has been responding to the word of God for the last 6,000 years. We love the fact that our God is a star-speaking God, that He is a universe-speaking God. We love the fact that the wind blows because our God speaks. The Bible says that all creation has life and that life is held together by the very Word that comes from our God. We love the fact that God is the God who speaks and creation responds. But the Bible says He summons the heaven and the earth to judge His people. I don't like that bit. I don't don't like that bit. Why, excuse me, why would he have the heavens and the earth bear witness to his name? Why are we missing from that conversation? You see, the Bible says, we've just read it, that in heaven, God's presence is there. God's glory shines out and heaven responds. When it comes to creation, God speaks and creation responds. When it comes to humanity, God speaks and we check how we feel. We procrastinate. We see how the situation is feeling. God speaks. Does he get the same response from us that he does from creation and from heaven? Do we respond to the word of God the same way? Because God wants so much more than a people who get despondent and distracted from the word that he is speaking out. What is God speaking to you at the 8am service? What is God motivating you? It's not just Pastor Tone and Pastor Kath, it's it's us. What is God speaking to us? Jeremiah 33.3 says this, this is what the Lord God says. He who made the heaven and the earth, he who formed it and established it, the Lord God is his name. Call to me 
and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things. It blows my mind that a God who is will live forever, an omniscient or powerful God stands before me, a finite being, and says, would you call to me? Would you call to me? Because if you would call to me, I'll show you great and unsearchable things. Anyone love movies? Who's, who's a movie guy? No one. Four people. It's awesome. <laughs> this this illustration is going to bomb, isn't it? Anyone? <laughs> Come on. Anyone love movies? Give me a wave. Oh, thank the Lord. Seen a movie called Heaven is for Real? About a young boy that has a surgery and has a God encounter. It's a great movie. We, we had family night the other week and we watched that for family night. We had the popcorn out and we had all the stuff out and we set up in our lounge room. We have family night. I have three kids. I have a 13-year-old girl. Help me. 13 years old. Jesus, help me. Walked into a room the other day. She's crying. I said, babe, what's wrong? She goes, I don't know. I'm like, what is wrong? Amanda! I didn't know what to do. Like, what are you? Seriously. If, you, if you're crying over something, tell me what and I'll fix it. Don't tell me. I do. Anyway, so I have a 13-year-old girl. I'm venting. I'm venting. I feel like the only alcoholic in an AA meeting just confessing right now. So I have a 13-year-old girl. Any, come on, any dads of, of 13-year-old plus 13-year-old? Again, no one. Awesome. So I have a 13-year-old girl. I have an 11-year-old girl and I have a 5-year-old boy. I got my boy. Got my boy. So my girls are amazing. I just don't understand them. I got my boy. So we're watching a movie. Does anyone have chronic movie talkers in their house? Come, close your heads, bow your eyes. Here's the ministry moment right here. Come on, anyone have any chronic movie talkers? Just, just people in your family that just talk through movies. I have three of them. Husbands, let's have a little moment here. Let's have a little moment. My wife, amazing lady, love her to bits, but says this on all too regular occasion. Hey, you guys just start without me. I'll catch up. Anyone had that? I just got to finish clean up. Just catch that. Then she sits down and spends 20 minutes asking what she missed on the first 10 minutes. Be a lot easier. Just, why don't we just press pause and wait for you to... Anyway, I'm just, again, letting it all out. My 13... Anyone know what I'm saying? You're all chicken. That's a problem because you're sitting next to the talker. Then my 13-year-old daughter who is an avid book reader, would read four or five, literally four or five books a week. So we sit down to watch Heaven is for Real, and I get a running commentary as to how the movie is different than the book. That's not right. Johnny's wearing a blue sweater in the book. It's a book! I didn't say that to her. I'm like, oh, that's awesome, babe. Shut up. That's awesome. So anyway, so we're watching this movie with the chronic movie. I'm convinced that DVRs were created by someone who had chronic movie talkers in their family so you could record it and watch it later. I'm convinced of it. Anyway, so we're sitting there watching the movie and there's a part in the movie where the young boy's dad is a pastor. And I don't want to be movie spoiler, but I've got the microphones to suck him up. And so there's a part in the movie where he's in the hospital. He's in the hospital chapel. The boy is on the operating table. And the doctors have advised the dad that, hey, your boy more than likely may not make it through this. So the dad who is a pastor goes into the chapel and loses it. God, how can you do this? 
after all I've been through and after all I've done for you, how can you do this? There can't be another moment where my, I have another tragedy. You've taken so much from me. Why would you take my son as well? And he's throwing chairs around the chapel. And right there, the Holy Spirit spoke to me. When my wife and daughter had stopped speaking, the Holy Spirit spoke to me. When he could get a word in edgewise. The Holy Spirit spoke to me. I said, that's what I want from my kids. I was preparing this message the day before and running through my head was Jeremiah 33 too. If you would call to me, not when you're on the mountaintop, not when everything's going great, not when you feel a connection with me, not when you feel me moving in your world, If you would call to me, God, I didn't want my marriage to end up like this. Why is it? God, I didn't think my finances would go through this. Why is it? God, I didn't ever see my kids not walking with you. God, my marriage is a mess. Why is it? Because we serve a God who is not asleep and inanimate. We serve a God who wants more than just a call, but He wants a response. He wants a two-way engagement on the mountaintop and in the valley, in the good times and in the bad times. When we were once young and at the 10 o'clock service and believing God, and now we've been in church a little while, we're at the 8 o'clock service, God still wants a response. God still wants engagement. God is still speaking to every single one of us. What's He saying? What's He talking about? You see, God is calling us into a conversation with Him. When sometimes all we want is a soundbite. All we want is a Sunday morning message. All we want is God to show up in our Instagram, Twitter or Facebook and just drop a little pill that will get us through a tough time. Just drop a little scripture that will get us through a tough time. If only I can get a great Sunday morning message. There is nothing wrong with a scripture that will get you through a tough time. There is nothing wrong than a great, with a great Sunday morning message. There is nothing wrong with wanting the presence of God in a really dry valley. There is nothing wrong with any of that, but God wants so much more than that. He wants an ongoing dialogue. God is not a 140 character relational God that happens on Twitter. God is a God that wants constant dialogue and constant interaction. He is drawing us into a conversation that is so much deeper than sound bites. He's calling us into a back and forth question and answer conversation. There may be some requests that he answers automatically. There may be other topics that we are debating with him and working out for the rest of our lives. The length of the conversation is irrelevant. What is relevant is that we have a God who wants to draw us into a conversation that will last the rest of our lives. God is not after a silent student. He's not after a child that is seen and not heard. He is after a child that is seen and regularly heard. That he wants us to respond when he calls us. Fee, can we come on back and jump on the keys? Everything's better with keys. Everything sounds more spiritual with keys. God is calling you. Friend, he's calling you 
into a conversation that is back and forth, that is to and fro. What's He saying to you? If you were to listen to heaven, what's heaven saying to you in this moment, at this time? I don't know if you've ever noticed how many times the New Testament uses the word called. In Romans, it says we are called to Jesus. In 1 Peter says we are called out of darkness. 1 Corinthians says we are called into relationship with Jesus. 1 John says we are called children of God. 1 Timothy says we are called to eternal life. Galatians says we are called into a family. Galatians says we are called by grace. 1 Thessalonians says we are called into an ongoing work of Christ. 2 Timothy says we are called to a holy calling. Romans says we are called according to His purpose. First Peter says we are called for a purpose. First Corinthians says we are called to peace. Galatians says we are called in hope. Second Peter says we are called by glory. And Acts 15 says we are called by the name that is above every other name. Friend, you are called. God is calling you. He is speaking to you. He is declaring over you. He is declaring over this church great days ahead. God is calling. He is calling. He is calling. The issue is not, is He calling? The issue is, are we responding? You know, that word called in the original Greek language, you know, you know the Bible wasn't written in English, right? Didn't have an Aussie accent. Reality check. Didn't have a Kiwi accent, didn't have an American accent. Sorry, Americans, the world doesn't revolve around you. But it didn't have, the original language of the New Testament was Greek. That word called in the original language is the word kaleo. That word kaleo means to call or to give name to. Catch this. God isn't just drawing you into conversation. He is calling us names we didn't even dare hope for. By His name. He's renaming you with the conversation He's calling you into. How does He do that? That list of stuff I just read out, I don't feel very hopeful. I don't feel full of purpose. I don't feel part of the family. How, if only God knew where I'd been and what I'd done, He wouldn't say I'm full of purpose. I aborted that by my decisions. No, no, no. He's kaleoing you. He's drawing you and I into a conversation that would literally rename who we are. How does He do that? Bishop Benithon, could I use your glasses, please? Thank you. If I was to read my Bible, which I do occasionally, then with nothing between me and the Bible, how my eye sees it is not filtered by anything. This is, the, this is one of the clearest pictures of salvation you'll ever get. What Jesus did on the cross changes the way Father sees you and I and our potential. 
Because when He looks at you, when we choose to position ourselves, when we make a decision to say, Jesus, have my life. I need your grace. I need your mercy. We are putting ourselves under what He has done on the cross. And all of a sudden, when God looks at you post that decision, He sees you through Jesus-coloured glasses. How can He rename me? You don't know what I think. You don't know what I do. He can rename you because it's not by your efforts and it's not by your ability. It's not by your strength. It's by what Jesus has already done on the cross. By His name, He is renaming you. By His name, He is reinstating you. By His name, He is filtering the way He sees. By His name, you are changed. You are different. If I put these glasses on and then read my Bible, other than realising how totally blind Paul Beniathan is. These glasses change the way I see everything. Some of you need to hear this. By His name, He names you in Jesus. By His name, He names you free from darkness. By His name, He names you friend of Jesus. By His name, He names you child of God. By His name, He names you destined for eternal life. By His name, He names you part of the body. By His name, He names you sanctified. He names you a carrier of a holy calling. He names you part of His purpose. He names you full of purpose. Yeah, but I've been in church 20 years. What's my purpose? Listen, if there is breath in your lungs and blood in your veins. He is not finished. There is a purpose of God in your world for you to outwork and for you to carry on. I love people like the Beniathans because they inspire me. They inspire me. I sat down and had the opportunity a few times to sit down with this amazing couple and hear what God has used them to do. And if they were to say, you know what, we've had a great life. We've seen the kingdom move forward. We have been privileged for God to use us. It's our time to sit back and start taking it easy. No one would say, what's wrong with you? Everyone would say, well done. But here's a couple that believes as long as they have breath in their lungs and blood in their veins, they can be used they are full of purpose. Here's the deal. God is creating this amazing mosaic right across the earth. And every one of us has a little part to play. And when I play my part and you play your part and we together say, in our generation, the kingdom will move forward. Then from heaven, when, all we're, when we're all playing our little parts, it paints this amazing picture of the grace and love of God. Friend, I don't care what you've done in the past. I don't care how bad you've been, how far you've run and how dark you've gone. By His name, He is naming you full of purpose. By His name, He is naming you peaceful. By His name, He is naming you free. By His name, He is naming you full of hope. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au.